0: If you have a Bible, turn to the Gospel of John. Uh, Today we begin a new short four-message series called I Am Life, looking at four of the I Am statements from the Gospel of John. Uh, Today we are in uh, looking at uh, that he says, I am the bread of life in John 6. So this includes December 30th, that Sunday, which is a family service, as well as our Christmas Eve service at 4.30 on that day. Jesus gave seven I am statements in the gospel, and in each statement, he was declaring, here's who I am. Here's my nature. Here's my character. Here's, the, here's a way to describe and define me. In this Christmas season, we remember Jesus coming to dwell in the flesh, to be born of a virgin. Jesus gets spoken of a lot in this month. So what I wanted to do is, is bring us back to the word, which is our authority to help us, remind us. Okay, here's who Jesus is, and here is how who He is should shape our present-day way of life. There's a thread throughout this whole section in John 6 of two types of bread. Jesus, being the master teacher that He is, is using a picture of physical bread to teach about spiritual realities. And so He's talking about two types of bread, one that perishes and that you have to work for, and one that never perishes and that you believe in and receive as a gift one bread leaves you feeling hungry and still empty afterwards and the other leaves you feeling full and satisfied where do you and i get our satisfaction where do we run to for our joy when life is hard where do you and i turn if we're in a season of waiting or suffering right now what are we clinging to In your life right now, what would you say you're feeding on? Where are you getting the nourishment for your life? I think each of us in this room, whether believer or unbeliever, have this propensity to turn to things that that are the equivalent of a loaf of bread that is good for a week and then gets moldy. To turn to things that, that make these false promises of satisfaction but leads to malnourishment. What are you feeding on right now in your life? In my own life, I have chased after or fed on things that I thought would satisfy, whether that be accolades and the applause of people, accomplishing things at work, owning more stuff, earning more money, or about 25 other things. And you're no different. I've talked to cross-pointers in just the past few weeks who have confessed their tendency to turn to things like control or sexual relationships or substances or bitterness And in the end, they were sharing with me, it left them malnourished. It left them empty, not full. So today on this morning and in this Advent season we are in, I want to bring us good news. I want to remind our forgetful hearts and minds about who Jesus is and that He is the true bread of life and only He Himself satisfies these core hungers in our souls. In this Christmas season of all times, With all its marketing and culture, it's like this continual picture. If you get this, if you go out and buy this, if you give this to him or her, then you'll be satisfied. Then they will be satisfied. D.A. Carson said this, Christians are never more than poor beggars telling other poor beggars where there is bread. So today I'm not coming from a place of spiritual pride, but but rather as one who has found through both ease and more often through hardship. That Jesus is only, is the only true bread of life. Today, I want the Spirit to expose these, these breads in our lives that we keep turning to to try to find nourishment and satisfaction. And I also want the Spirit to point us to good news of who Jesus is and how that shapes us and how that encourages us and how that brings good news to the listener today. So in John 6... We're going to end up reading a lot of this passage, but right before where we, where we pick it up in the timeline here, Jesus has just fed 5,000. So you've got these great crowds that are following the guy who just satisfied their bellies, and we read in verses 14 and 15 in John 6 that this, that, that this crowd, after witnessing this miracle of, uh, of fish and loaves, wants to put Jesus up as their military or political leader to deliver them from Rome. And so we pick it up in verse 25, where the crowd has been on the search for Jesus and has crossed over the sea. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal Of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God? They ask. Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. I love how Jesus, the all knowing God, tells the crowd why they're searching for him. He perceives their hearts and knows that they're just looking for him for two reasons. One is because Jesus just filled their bellies, and two is because they want political freedom from Rome. Their motives in seeking Jesus were not spiritual, but physical. They didn't care if it was Jesus, or a guy named Jim, or a lady named Jane. Bringing strong leadership and bringing food. They wanted the gift, not the giver. They wanted deliverance, not the deliverer. And Jesus is exposing the short-sightedness in them. Listen, Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end Himself. To know Him in relationship is the goal. That's why, for instance, the false teaching of a, of a prosperity gospel is so broken because it's the idea that, that by your faith you somehow put God under contract keeping you from suffering or poverty or hurt or sickness. We don't come to the Lord to get stuff from the Lord, but rather to know Him and to be known by Him. That has surpassing value in this life. The crowd missed the divine nature of Jesus who did this miracle, and they're only looking for more stuff from that divine nature. They're looking for more stuff to try to satisfy them, and they're looking for food that perishes. But Jesus tells them in verse 27, don't work for the food that perishes. He's saying don't spend your energy, your life, your resources pursuing and hoping in things that have a shelf life that have an expiration date, that have a best if used by date, they won't satisfy your soul's core hunger. When we put our hope in the food that perishes, we are perpetually displeased and dissatisfied. It's this vicious cycle that we are prone to, that we've been designed by a creator to worship that creator, but Romans 1 tells us that we've exchanged, we've We've turned away from worshiping our Creator and turned toward lesser things. We want to worship created things as a result, and we think that will bring us satisfaction. So we buy new clothes, and then in a matter of months or years, we take them to a secondhand shop. We buy new possessions, and then within a a year, the new model comes out, and we're no longer satisfied with what we were thrilled about getting a year before. The intimate experience with someone brought momentary satisfaction, but then leaves you with regret shame, insecurity, fear, or we think a change change in marital status, a change of address, a change of job will somehow bring us satisfaction. C.S. Lewis had this great statement on this cycle that we can get into. He said this, it seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And so Jesus is teaching the crowds this deep spiritual truth using the analogy of bread, which they've just experienced across the sea. And so Jesus says, don't work for the food that perishes, but instead for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. But the people misunderstood what Jesus was saying. And they assumed that he is calling them to perform work of God. They missed the whole which the Son of Man will give you. They missed the connection that across the sea, when they were given the bread, they did nothing to earn that. It was all a gracious gift. And the same is true when it comes to the true bread of life. It's a gracious gift to receive, not an accomplishment to work for. What can we do to perform the works of God, they ask? In a sense, they're saying, just tell us what to do so we can get what we want from you. We want your miracle bread. We want you to be our miracle king. Just tell us what to do. Tell us the quick fix. Tell us the 10 steps, the 10 hoops to jump through. Verse 29, Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. As people, we notoriously want to relate to God through works and effort. Look at any religion, and it is follow these steps, and you'll maybe be accepted by God. Pursue outward conformity, pursue these good works, and maybe you'll get into the good graces of the deity. But Jesus calls them not to do, but to believe. Not to work, but to trust. The idea of believe is to lean your full weight upon Jesus. The idea when you put, jump out of an airplane, when you, you're, you're putting your full weight, your full trust in the parachute to bring you safely down. Dear ones, this is good news. Jesus doesn't say, well, pray this prayer three times. Or He doesn't say, pursue all these outward conformity laws, this outward obedience, and then maybe, just maybe, you'll try to find the bread that satisfies. No, He calls us to believe, to trust to put our faith in Him. I love what one author said, the only thing we bring to Jesus is our need. All we have to offer Him is an admission that we have nothing to offer. In Him, we have found eternal life. We have found abundant life. Believing in the One who has been sent leads to works. Faith in Christ leads to works. James, The book of James and elsewhere in Scripture tells us that. But it's never the other way around. Obedience to Jesus is birthed out of a love for Jesus and his love for us. It's birthed out of relationship and trust. It's not somehow to try to gain relationship and trust. So the dialogue continues in verse 30. What sign then are you going to do so we can see and believe you, they ask? What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness just as it, was, just as, as it is written He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. And so the crowd hears bread from heaven. They think manna, the story of their ancestors in the Old Testament. But what Jesus is talking about is far superior to the manna the Israelites had experienced. The people are still stuck on this idea that that Jesus is going to meet their physical needs like the manna met the physical need of hunger. But Jesus is talking about the true bread from heaven that nourishes spiritually, that satisfies the core hungers of our souls. He's got the interests of the crowd piqued. Sir, give us this bread always, they say. But now he's going to turn the subject. Verse 35, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to me, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the, fa- sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. I am the bread of life, He says. He doesn't say here is the bread of life, but I am the bread of life. I am who satisfies abundant life is found in me. It's found in knowing me and being known by me. Life is not found in this vicious cycle that promises satisfaction and leads to brokenness. Jesus is the bread of life and satisfaction and eternal life is found in him and him alone. Jesus didn't come at Christmas. He didn't come down from heaven, as verse 38 says, to bring external solutions and fixes. Because the external of our lives isn't the problem. The heart is the problem. The core hunger of our lives is the problem. Since Genesis 3, we have been born with hearts that are prone to sin and wander, hearts that are prone to not live for our Creator but live for created things. But in the coming of Jesus, good news has come. And there in this passage, Jesus gives us good news. In verse 37, He promises that all who come to Him, He will never cast out that he will receive all who trust in him. He's the king of kings, and yet all who come to him in humble repentance, he will welcome. He won't reject. He will not only receive and welcome, but he also says, I'm not going to lose you. You won't be forsaken. You'll be kept eternally secure. The good shepherd doesn't leave or lose his sheep. He comforts, protects, provides, feeds, sustains his people. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Come to Jesus, you'll receive eternal life, you'll you'll receive eternal satisfaction, and there's a resurrection coming for those who are in in Christ. It is good news in this life and in the life to come. And so Jesus has has turned the subject, and the crowds now begin to turn on Him. They were so satisfied in the food, But now because he's changed the subject and made it about their hearts, they begin to turn on him. Verse 41, therefore, the Jews started complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. And everyone who has listened to to and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. What they wanted, physical needs met, political freedom given. Jesus wasn't promising or giving. What he was offering, eternal life, core hungers met. They wanted none of it. They were looking for the temporary, and they missed the eternal. Jesus goes on in verse 47, "'Truly I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that, came, that comes down from heaven, so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh.'" Jesus is making this astounding claim here. Believe in me. Trust, rely, cling to, lean all your weight on Jesus and in Him you will be given eternal life. At the end of verse uh, 51, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. In order for you and I to enjoy bread physically, it has to be broken. In the same way, Jesus is so good that in order to be the true bread of life in our lives, He lays down His life. His body is broken so that you and I can find forgiveness and new life and cleansing. We come to Him because in Him we are truly satisfied and our joy is made complete. Pastor J.R. Vassar paraphrased Jesus' words this way. I'll be broken so that you can be made whole. I'll be cast out so that you may be brought in. I'll be condemned so that you can be forgiven. I'll be rejected so you can be accepted. I'm the son of God, but I'll be treated like an enemy of God so that you who are enemies of God can be treated like sons and daughters of God. I'll do this at cost to me, not cost to you. This is good news. We serve a generous and loving God. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 52, at that, the Jews argued among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my, bl- eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate, and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is not promoting cannibalism here, all right? But the people's minds are just, they're blowing right now. He's giving a physical picture of what it means to actually believe in and trust in Him. When you and I enjoy food, and this month, we should know this, right? At a family gathering last night, I enjoyed some food. Didn't need breakfast this morning. Okay? But when we enjoy food, we savor it. We drink or we take it in. When you enjoy drink, you drink it down. You don't hold it at arm's length. You take that food and that drink into your innermost being. And when you eat and drink, you're simply a receiver. You bring nothing to the meal. We only bring hungry souls and souls that are tired of chasing after food that doesn't nourish, that doesn't satisfy. We instead want to believe Jesus' words here and turn to Him for eternal life and for that satisfaction. To be a believer is not to put your faith in an idea or a theory, it's to put your faith in a person. Jesus Christ and the works of that person. It's to put your faith in the Son of God who was born of a virgin, lived the sinless life, died on a cross, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, one day is returning. And so the crowd who came with physical and temporary things on their minds can't get their heads and hearts around what Jesus is saying. They're blind to the spiritual realities that Jesus is teaching. Verse 60, Therefore, when many of His disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? And then skipping down to verse 66. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus had called the crowds to forsake all these other false, perishable breads all these created things that they were turning to and he had called them to believe surrender to fully embrace him to enjoy him like they would food and drink to enjoy communion with him as regular as we would a meal to give up their pursuit of living for self and instead follow him and in doing so he has promised to them i won't cast you away i won't reject you I will receive you. I won't lose you. I'll grant you eternal life. It was good news upon good news. But it would require them to repent from living for themselves. And many turned back. But Peter makes this bold, definitive statement. Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to believe and put our full wait and trust in you where else will we turn your words jesus lead to life all these other things in life have this have a shelf life have an expiration date but you O lord are eternal you're the holy one of god in this role i get the joy and honor of hearing people's stories this morning as collectively we we heard three people's stories parts of their stories i pray that was an encouragement to you but as brothers and sisters in a family of God we're able to uh, partake in other people's stories, not just on baptism, but in community groups and in fellowship with one another. But in the past month, I've heard stories of people living out John 6. Now, they haven't come to me saying, well, I've discovered Jesus is the true bread of heaven, the true bread of life. They haven't come with those words. But it's not just theory to them. They're actually living it out. I talked to a brother in Christ who, for 10 years, pursued everything from alcohol to narcotics to anything that would produce adrenaline in his life, all in an attempt to try to satisfy pain, to numb pain, to satisfy brokenness and hurt, all the while the Lord is faithfully drawing him to himself, which is exactly what Jesus tells us in John 6 there. The Father's going to draw people to himself, an unmistakable drawing. And now for him, while the temptation to return to to those things is still there, this godly brother is walking in the light of Christ and that's led to freedom. He is turning to the true bread of heaven in prayer and in community with other believers and the Lord is, is bringing healing to the years of him chasing after moldy bread. I was talking to another sibling in the family of God the Lord has been so gracious to reveal to them the dysfunction of chasing after security and satisfaction in physical relationships. And it isn't all pretty and there's pain involved, but it's also so beautiful and so powerful to see the Lord redeeming and setting a child of His free from the entanglement and the enslavement of sin, setting them free from that vicious cycle of Romans 1. He's revealing Himself as the true bread and this person is not walking away like the crowd's. But they're saying, where else are we going to go? I've gone to those places. They leave me malnourished, empty, enslaved. Where else am I going to go? A brother in Christ was sharing with me recently how the false bread that he would turn to was control. Not necessarily seeking to control other people, but, but when a hard situation came, when waiting came or difficulty came, his response was, control which led to anxiety and unbelief it led to a crippling effect in his life and yet the lord is faithful to a thousand generations and is exposing the shelf life that anxiety unbelief has the empty promises that follow and instead turning this man's heart to this deep trust in and this full embrace this drinking down enjoying savoring the true bread of heaven all of these people and many of us would testify that to know the Lord and be, to be known by Him has surpassing value. That the worship team could come back up. Church, the true bread of life has come down from heaven. He says it repeatedly here in John 6. Come down from heaven, come down from heaven. The advent, the first advent has occurred and He has come to give of Himself to be broken so that all who believe in Him will receive him as a gracious gift, eternal life. So that all who believe in Him might not be cast out, but welcomed. No longer lost, but found. No longer unstable and insecure, but your feet upon a rock and secure, assured. No longer living for the temporary and the, and the earthly, but living for the eternal. Living for the One who died and rose again for them. Are you putting your full weight of your life upon Jesus? Where are you still trying to find nourishment from temporary and false areas? What shelf do you just keep running back to to try to find nourishment from it? And all you keep finding in the end is moldy bread. Good news has come. Good news has come in the person and work of Jesus. Good news that is through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Good news that sets us free and leads to our joy and leads to the good of our lives as well as those around us, as well as the glory of our God. Father God, we are grateful that at Christmas we are reminded that You sent Your Son to be the true bread of heaven, the true bread of life. Expose the areas that that our hearts are prone to turn to, to try to find nourishment. Expose those in our hearts today and, and this week and turn us back, we repent from those, and we want to believe the good news that you are the true bread of heaven, so help us to rely upon you, to lean our full weight upon you this week as we follow and trust you. We want to find our satisfaction in you and you alone. We want to know you, and we are grateful, so grateful to be known by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship. Jesus makes this promise in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, they will be satisfied. Let's be people who hunger and thirst for righteousness this week, knowing that that's where we're filled, that's where we're satisfied, that's where the Lord is glorified. Meet somebody new before you leave. God bless.